This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by SafePal. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. All right, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening and watching another epic episode of Untold Stories, where together, twice a week, we get to dive deep, uh, ask the important questions, the why, the philosophy, and the ideology behind the technology, the mathematics, the 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 whole part of the experiment, like the social, the social part of the socioeconomic experiment that we're in. We talk a lot about that uh, to truly understand how this movement came to be, the early people involved, the ones who are trailblazing you right now, the businesses behind them, the community, the, the miners, the different stakers, Dow governance holders, kind of everyone in between. Uh, and I'm really excited today we have Alan Silber and Itai Avneri from INX. Thank you guys so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. I just want to give a little bit of background about both of you. Uh, prior to joining INX, Alan, you were uh, you you founded a, a a great company. I remember called Bit Premier back in 2014. It was like a Bitcoin luxury marketplace, and it was really the first place that. You can just sit and browse for luxury items priced in Bitcoin. And this was before the Bitcoin price was like anywhere near explosive where it is now. So this was all more of like hopium. One day houses where prices were priced in like the thousands of Bitcoin. But now you can get like a castle for maybe a few hundred Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. We, we didn't sell a ton because um, everybody, <laughs> you know, was smartly... You know, hodling their Bitcoin so that you know, um, you know, we did, we were, we did. The, the crown jewel was we sold a a, a villa in Bali. Um, for I remember that. Yeah, at that time, I think Bitcoin was six hundred dollars. Um, you know, me and my smart foresight. So I sold most of the commission. <laughs> for, for, I sold most of my bitcoins for U.S. dollars out of that commission. You know, that that was a smart move, but. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting project. It, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. You know, my my background was in commercial banking, and I was uh, I was in the legacy finance world for twenty years. And then um, you know, my brother introduced me to Bitcoin in two thousand thirteen, and you know, we we both put our heads together and we're like, there's no like luxury platform out there that doesn't exist yet for people to go and like sell their their homes and their Rolexes and Ferraris. So I was working at Capital One Bank at the time, and uh, we we. Launch bit premieres. I did it as like a side gig. Um, yeah, at some but point, you like stay the, away. Uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It's, <laughs> at one point, like, the Department of Justice came and visited me, and just you know, just to let them let them, let me know they were they were watching me to make sure there was no money laundering. But well, um, that's in- yeah, that's ahead. interesting because your new business now, INX, uh, that that you and Itai are running are are. Um, you know, it's very regulator friendly. And we were talking earlier and I said, you, you guys almost like predicted, uh, um, you guys predicted security tokens way back in 2018 when people were really focusing on ICOs back then. And so this is very, very valuable and almost like amazing foresight because you kind of like planted your, 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 your flag in the ground and said, this is what the future is going to be. Itai, you you bring over 20 years of executive management experience into your role as, C, as COO here. 
You led the adoption of uh, of the shift to cryptocurrency as as role as CEO for Invest.com in Israel. You've worked and ran like financial services companies and all over all over the regulated world. So you guys really understood that. Like, I almost want to go back to the beginning when INX was first conceived, and you guys thought, like, what would the five year roadmap look like? And here and here you are. Today's an amazing day. You launched uh, INX version one. Today, it's it's like almost a huge vindication for you guys. Yeah, I mean, that's so going back to the beginning, you know, our founder, Shai Datika, I mean, it, it was the ICO kind of pump and dump craze that founded our company. Uh, that, that's the genesis of this company. Um, you know, our, our Shai, Shai was from uh, the trading world, the FX trading world. Um, and yeah, and he, and he saw the ICO insanity and then the ICO bubble and, um, you know, and kind of knew that a lot of these ICOs were just didn't, we were just kind of vaporware, or didn't have much behind them, or didn't have much legal standing, and that there was probably going to be some kind of uh, reckoning or implosion, and and thought there was a better way to do it. So that's when we started on our, on our route with the SEC to do our security token IPO. Um, you know, Shai approached the SEC, and they of course thought he was insane, and. Um, you know, and we did things a little bit backwards. We were trying to IPO as a pre-operational company, but um, yeah, uh, lo and behold, we um, you know we pushed took 953 days, uh, but nobody's counting with the SEC going back and forth. Uh, oh you know, 15 God. to 20 different uh, iterations, years. and uh, yeah, uh, for a full-blown uh, security token IPO. So you know, we got that done. Uh, you know, we closed that out last year and raised about 83 million dollars. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, shy. Shai is somewhat of a visionary and kind of sees things coming down the road. And, uh, and yeah, we got a good head start on it. I mean, you're talking about securities regulations that have been around and protected customers and consumers and, and investors and builders. And, you know, the, largely you can credit that the financial system that we're in today, the better parts of it are kind of may, uh, uh, kept uh, stable, you know, by all these uh protections and different rules and regulations, whether you like them or you don't, they're there for a reason and, and you have to follow them. And so a token, at least this is like four years ago, almost five years ago, a token back then, you know, the idea of like even a non-fungible token that you can, you know, almost like allow those certain type of regulations. And I want to ask you what those things are, uh, that didn't even exist back then. So how did you like sit with the SEC and, and kind of go through what uh, almost what like a new token standard would need to look like? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, they were they were somewhat well versed in, um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, but it was a big education process. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I was kind of hoping that we, you know, as a blockchain kind of purist that we would have things, you know, like they wanted to push us to have it like a regulated transfer agent. You know, we were hoping that, you know, look, we have uh, like the Ethereum blockchain, which is what our token runs on. You know, the blockchain is like the best transfer agent. It's real time record keeping. But like that wasn't good enough for them. They kept pushing back. We ended up with a compromise, which was this uh, the ERC 1404 standard so that if uh, grandma loses her keys, we can, uh, you know, we can pull the tokens back and reissue them. Um, it allows us more flexibility, kind of used to what the regulators are used to seeing with like, you know, you have a stock certificate and you lose it and you sign an affidavit and get it replaced. It's, 
it was a lot, a lot of compromises to kind of meet these, you know, the new world with the securities laws from 1933. It took, uh, you know, a lot of patience, a lot of compromises. Um, but uh, yeah, in, 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 in the end, we, we prevailed. So I, I just went to this website, ERC1404. Is it .org? Tell me more about tell me more about this standard and what is it about this token that 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 is different that makes the SEC more comfortable? And and Itai, feel free to jump in. I have questions for individually, yeah, but I'm, okay. I end up doing the show. I get down in a rabbit hole. I'm like excited about this. My questions were different. No, it's okay. It's okay. Timeline wise, Alan Alan joined uh, the company uh, before me and basically was very involved in the uh, prospectus and uh, the, the, the process with the SEC. And he knows, uh, I guess, uh, the full prospectus, 470 pages long, more or less by heart. So oh uh, there is no one really uh, else better than Alan to describe uh, this process at point. It's I is it so lucky that he missed that part of the company's evolution. <laughs> For the important part, which is the operation. No, I joined uh, immediately, I think, after uh, INEX got the uh, approval from the SEC to start the IPO. Um, and then uh, within six months, more or less, we raised the uh, $83, $85 million. Uh, it was a big, big uh, step forward in, in translating this uh vision that Chai had into reality, but not only because it's uh, the security token, a security token and, and, uh, and, and the race itself and the, uh, and, and the SEC approval, it's, it's, it's a new, and we're saying we are pioneering a new digital economy because in essence, what happened is, is that you had this enormous community and we are very grateful for, for our community. That stood behind us and pushed this uh, this IPO blockchain IPO and got us where to where we are today. And in in a way, we we are shaping a new investor community, uh, a, a community that uh, wants to invest in in digital securities or security tokens that can invest in security tokens with crypto and not US and not fiat money. Um, that, that understand the benefits of a security token. For example, in our case, 40% of the company profits will be distributed between the token holders and they get other uh, rights and benefits when holding the token. Uh, All together, uh, we, we, we build this new way to raise capital, which is even more, and this is, uh, again, uh, three years ago or two years ago, the IPO almost... And, and even more important today, when you see interest rates uh, all over the world are going up, and even before we are, uh, before we understand the uh, specific uh, attribute of the INEX token that is relevant for other projects uh, in the digital economy space, like CBDC, central bank digital currency. But we started a whole new discussion with that. We can start. With I mean, what is the what is the INX platform look like right now? You're talking about an app that potential investors can come in, get uh, prove their accreditation, get KYC, and essentially their their Ethereum address gets whitelisted to be able to buy, sell, and trade in in digital securities. So we have two platforms uh, today, and uh, we are releasing. I mentioned uh, at the beginning we're releasing INX One as 
the first version, but we have two operational platforms today. Uh, one for cryptocurrencies with the money transmitter licenses across uh, 42 island or 41 uh, US states today. Or yeah, 42 states and territories. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and we have the uh, securities trading platform, security token trading platform. Um, and each one of the platforms are operational and, and are live. And as a user, as a customer, you have to go through KYC twice. Uh, you cannot trade uh, security tokens, or you couldn't trade security tokens uh, with cryptocurrencies side by side. And, and uh, basically, the biggest uh, project that we undertook in the past, uh, or let's say year, I would say, is to merge those two platforms together. Now, it's a different, uh, it's a different license, it's a different regulation behind security tokens and, and cryptocurrencies. It's a different customer experience because on the security side, you have to link your MetaMask wallet in order to trade uh, the tokens. And on the crypto uh, side, we are basically providing the custody services. So uh, you don't have to link your wallet. So it's a complete CFI versus a semi-CFI, semi-DeFi uh, environment. And those two platforms come together now and merge into one. This is INX1, and we will go live with INX1 uh, by the end of the week, this week. And it will be the first and only platform today where you can trade both uh, asset classes together under the same the same, uh, the same brand, crazy. the same roof. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Congratulations. And, and you could also, as an issuer, raise money on this platform. So our uh, full solution is primary uh, offering services, including the listing and trading of cryptocurrencies and, and, and security tokens. Everything under one platform, you have to onboard once, uh, seamless experience, you fund your account with crypto, and, and you uh, link your MetaMask wallet to the platform. Guys, I am so excited to talk about our newest presenting sponsor, SafePal. SafePal is an all-in-one solution. You got a beautiful hardware wallet. You have this amazing fireproof cipher. You got a mobile wallet, an extension wallet similar to MetaMask. You're talking about an all-in-one solution for all of your crypto needs. Founded in 2018, SafePal is a Binance Labs-backed, Singapore-based company, uh, the venture arm, where their mission is to make crypto secure and simple for everyone. You got cross-chain swapping, trading services, and more. SafePal supports over 40 different blockchains. I mean, check this out. Look at this. If you back up your private seed in this beautiful metal SafePal backup here and you keep it in your safe, fires or water or nothing degrading over time, you should not be backing up your crypto on pieces of paper. I mean, look at this. Look at the S1 here. It's so cool. This is the hardware wallet you're talking. I'm used to using the Trezor or the Ledger wallet, but SafePal is a lot better because not only do you get the hardware wallet and the backup cipher, but you also get the mobile wallet, the uh, extension on your Google Chrome or whatever Firefox you use. So it all works together. You don't have to worry about man in the middle attacks and everything like that. You can go to safepal.com, use the coupon code Charlie, and you'll get any of these amazing products the extension wallet is free, the mobile wallet is free, the hardware wallet and the backup 
are really, really well priced. It's all super safe and secure. And I love it. I mean, there's no other way you should be using your crypto than SafePal. Having like kind of seen the rise as security tokens, do you guys think this will usher in a world of more revenue sharing tokens? Well, it's kind of, you know, the, the, the sky is kind of the limit with the with security tokens. You know, you can structure them any way you want, really. That's kind of the beauty of it. You can give people revenue share. You can give people profit share, like our token. You can give them voting rights, not voting rights. Um, you know, our, our token holders uh, are kind of above equity in our capital stack. So they get first uh, liquidation rights to our, our self-insurance fund, for instance. We have $35 million sitting in a, in a self-insurance fund that the token holders would have first rights to if, if something happened or if we had a really? change of control. So, um, yeah, you can, you can structure things uh, you know, in infinite different ways in different use cases. You know, you can tokenize buildings, you can tokenize royalty streams. You, you know, we have, uh, there's a lot of interesting things in the pipeline that we see. Yeah, you know, the one the one is where the uh, one of these uh, Premier League soccer teams called Burnley once is uh, one is doing a full blown IPO because uh, they want to do like a fan token. So you know they have all they have their fans, hundreds of thousands or millions, and so the the fans would get uh, with their token a portion of game day revenues and you know merch sales and things like that. So um, you know it's especially amazing when you have a, a captive community like like uh, you know like a soccer team or a football team or. Or, uh, you know, it was, it's why we did our token the way that we did is we wanted to make it like a community first company. And, you know, we see our INX token holders is a very important part of this company and our community. And they're kind of like a captive marketing crew. Yeah. And, you know, they like kind of live and breathe our company. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing concept. Someone gave me a, uh, a script idea the other day. If any of my listeners want to write this script and I'll make this into a film, uh, uh, called the tokenized man. Or the tokenized woman, where basically someone like tokenizes themselves and everyone and all their token holders are like, what's going on? But that's the rabbit hole. You know, that's where it can go down. Speaking of which, by the way, side note, I have October 7th, uh, and all this is all to, all to my listeners, we have a film release coming out in theaters called Ask Me to Dance, the movie that my wife was in. So make sure you guys all go to theaters and get your butts in seats. But I'll talk about that in a few weeks. That's a complete side note. But but back to uh, back to this. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the ability to to tokenize tokenize things and securitize things that were otherwise without blockchain technology, not really securitizable. Like just even revenue sharing, revenue sharing of of uh, like people blending the interest rates of mortgages together and and things like. That. Yeah, and the, yeah, the blockchain, it, you know, it, it avails you to different kind of things you couldn't do before. And, you know, the, uh, the, the legacy world operates on technology that's decades old. And, you know, lucky for us, we uh, there's different things that we can do. And, you know, the, people could own a very, very small piece of, of INX, you know, or not own, it, but a part of the profits. And, um, you know, the general public can do that. And, they can do it without going through, uh, you know, very difficult wow. hoops that the legacy world would have had. How many other securities tokens are trading on the platform? And right now, we have six tokens trading, including the INX token. Um, we started uh, a race, a primary race for a Chinese company, Truckball, a few weeks ago. 
Uh, and I believe that uh, by the end of the week, uh, we'll, we'll start another uh, probably few uh, races, maybe two, maybe three. This is the plan. Um, and we're working very hard to build this uh, pipeline. And you're speaking about different companies or issuers and the economics behind them. Crazy to see how many uh, uh, companies from different industries uh, uh, that all come and, and basically brainstorm around the different options and the tokenomics that will be relevant for their community. And uh, entertainment uh, industry is definitely uh, high on the list. The, uh, yeah, I'm working on a project actually doing potentially like securitizing the, the, uh, the revenue share of, uh, of um, securitized assets, but we'll talk about that another time. It's some really cool stuff. Um, but I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask if you think, you know, the current landscape that, that the, of the crypto companies that we're in, you know, we're in a very precarious year when it comes to regulations and what's going to be coming out when it comes to who will be regulating what, like you said, there, there are different regulatory bodies that are regulating different there. Everyone is kind of on their heels when launching a new company or token nowadays, because they're not sure where they're going to fall. Do you think that operators and, you know, industry leaders need to do a better job at talking to governments and, and regulators about, about this stuff or because, you know, the whole tornado cash thing and then Coinbase suing the government, it just like, sounds like lines are being drawn. Where would, where did the conversation go? Yeah, it's, um, it's been an interesting, uh, couple of years uh, in this, and especially in the U S um, this administration has been a pretty difficult one. Um, uh, in the space, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a land grab going on. You know, the SEC. Uh, you know, we, I think we had like pretty high hopes for Gary Gensler because he taught at MIT crypto classes yeah. and stuff. But he, you know, and he says come and talk to us. But um, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a little bit of a land grab going on between the SEC and the CFTC. So we'll see how that kind of uh, pans out. Uh, very well, might end up with. Uh, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum under the CFTC purview, and uh, everything else under the SEC. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, there's a lot of quality groups that are you know, uh, trying to lobby for the industry and are trying to educate uh, regulators. You know, Blockchain Association, uh, uh, Global Global Digital Asset Cryptocurrency Association. Those are a couple of them. Uh, you know, and there's uh, the Coin Center as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's an ongoing education process, but, um, you know, also politicians and regulators have their own agendas as well. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's an uphill battle sometimes, but, um, it's, you know, it's kind of clear that regulators aren't going to tolerate anything whatsoever. That's not, you know, under some kind of regulation or license, uh, you're going to see, you know, you know, we we have licenses on both sides of the of the fence, right? We have licenses to trade cryptocurrencies under money transmitter licensing, and then we yeah. also have a licensed broker dealer under a fender in the SEC. So that allows us to trade cryptocurrencies and allows us to trade securities. Uh, and you have a lot of companies, uh, you know, I won't name names that have historically, you know, kind of gambled and 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 listed securities on their cryptocurrency trading platforms. And you're going to see, you know, regulators have started talking about that. You'll see a lot more of that. They're going to start totally clamping down, and and uh, there's going to be a little bit of a reckoning there as the companies have made a calculated gamble to list these things, uh, yeah. you know, outside of their appropriate licensing. So, 
and 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 we see also uh, the regulation uh, evolving outside the US, and we want to achieve uh, the same uh, let's call it regulatory footprint that we have in the US outside the US, and and you can see the EU uh, is moving. And a lot of things happening there. You see Japan that already has a yeah. license for both crypto and securities. And we're very keen to, uh, um, to get into this market as well. So it's very interesting to see what is happening worldwide, not only in the US. There's going to be like definitely a difference between cryptocurrencies and tokens that provide that have some sort like how will they how will there be a differentiation like i'm still struggling with even the terms to use you know what i mean like things that don't have like cash flow revenue share attached or you know ip or something like that attached to it like what will be just a cryptocurrency yeah i mean it's uh you know every every country has their own rules uh you know in the us it all kind of goes back to the howie test uh, is what it all defaults back to and, you know, and you, this, you generally have you, yeah, the, the Howey test, you know, you generally, the, the gist of it is if you have a company at the center of your token, you know, if there's a company behind it that you expect to kind of the company to succeed and generate profits and you to enjoy those profits, it's, it's essentially a security. So, you know, 99% of tokens out there probably fall under that. Um, you really need to be like a true decentralized uh, protocol for, for you to not be a security. Or if really, if you're out there, if, if there's an entity raising money at all, then that you kind of just check the box that you're a security. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, it's you like know, a multiple and, and choice every, test. Every country's different. Yeah, every, you know, every country sees it differently, uh, but that's that's in the U.S. That's what the that's the gist of it is. But I'm like sitting on investment meeting, you know, pitches, and I'm getting pitched for our fund, and I'm like, well, where do you guys fall when it comes to regulations? And they'll just, yeah, we did, and they'll put like a back of the napkin. We did the Howie tests, you know. And this is why our token's not a security. And, but that's not the funny part. Someone pointed out to me last week that, and I didn't even know this, that uh, the Howie, the, the test came from a case with the SEC versus the Howie Land Company, which was like a, like a citrus company, land company in Florida. So we're mm -hmm. using that to like shape the most important regulations probably of our lifetimes. We're using like some, decades old investment test or something like that. I don't even know. It's great though. I love it. Yeah. Decades old, you know, securities laws are the ones that the, our token relies upon are from 1933. Well, you know, other funds and stuff rely on security laws from 1940. So it's, uh, yeah. But it's say, as much as like we, we've been worried about how the regulations have been coming out. We, I think that we need to look back on the last five years and admit that America, oh, the world too, but America has embraced, you know, blockchain and open source systems, left Bitcoin alone to the extent that a lot of other countries have not. Maybe I'm all like knock on wood here, but it's been, you know, it's been a, a it's been a, it's not, you're, you know, it's, you're not ashamed anymore to admit that you work in the crypto industry in this country. Our bank accounts are not getting shut down anymore. Things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know. You and I are like uh, old timers in the space, so it's uh, you know. I mean, Charlie, I used, I used to go to the the 
the uh, drugstore to the MoneyGram phone to talk to an operator and then give her cat, give the cashier cash to you know send a bid instant to Gox or whatever it is. It's come a long way. It's it's a you got to be patient. There's a lot, still a lot of education. You know, regulators are still saying things that you know they they, they should know better. But uh, yeah, come along, come a long way for sure. Absolutely. There's, there's actually, a, oh my God, that, that red phone you bring, sometimes I'll tweet a picture of the red phone to see how many people like it and just like with no commentary and you'd be surprised how many people remember the red phone, but, uh, you had to use, you know, our company, uh, bit instant connected with, with MoneyGram and Western union. And so this was pretty much the only way to buy Bitcoin for that, like two year period, us or Mount Gox. And so especially in the US and, and in Europe, a lot of people, you know, went to, went to have to go to MoneyGram. And I, when I used my own service, the people at the counter would tell me, sir, this is probably a scam. And I'm like, no, it's my company. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to hand them cash at the counter yeah. too, you know, it was, it was, it totally felt scammy. But yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know, we've, we've, uh, uh, you know, the, it's the funny joke is, you know, crypto, it's the, it's like dog gears, you know, it's uh, things move at a, at a dramatic pace. So, um, yeah, uh, regulators just need to catch up a little bit, but yeah, it's exponentially different than, than when things started. So we, I think we all understand why this is one of the most important aspects, you know, connecting off chain liquidity and off chain, uh, cash flow, off chain IP, off chain real estate, off chain anything into uh, having a legal connection that's very simple to connect those to on-chain and be able to, to use those tokens for all sorts of governments and revenue sharing and profit sharing. It, I think we, we've already agreed that this is amazing. And I think no one at, in 2018 just wanted to like do the hard work that you guys chose to do to kind of bring this out. But one thing I don't know, I, t I still don't know the answer. And, uh, and, and, also from, from an operating front, Itai, is that how do you deal with the community, right? Like it used to be that what, if you're doing a, a stock, you know, how, what you can say to your community or your like, what press release you can put out, you know, your stock, your, you know, what you say, forward-looking statements, things like that. How do you deal that? How do you work that into like, almost all these companies having their own telegram rooms and having company representatives in there. How, how did they, how is the government going to reconcile that? Because community is a very, it's almost like the fourth pillar. It's always been builder, consumer, and investor. But now community is the fourth. How, how is that reconciled? It's a very, very good question. Also very hard. Uh, as, as a publicly, let's say, reporting company in, in the U.S. and a publicly trading company in, in Canada, which INEX is, um, we have to be very uh, cautious and be very familiar with the, the law and the requirements. And we, we know not to share with the community anything that is uh, not according to the law. So any forward-looking statement, any... Uh, Things like that will have, always have a disclaimer in our formal PR and in our, let's say, marketing collaterals. The community in Telegram is very active and we support and we answer any question that they may have. It's interesting to see that the community is growing 
globally, and we see INX communities in Japan, in Germany, in Netherlands, and, wow. and other places uh, as, as with their own uh, language. And we cannot support and be everywhere, but we are trying and we are doing our best. Um, the community is not just about for us. It's not just about uh, supporting them and, and be available. It's part of our embedded very tightly into our vision because at the end of the day, INX, the way we describe it, the way we see it, is is the is a community of communities. So each issuer that will come to us and want to raise and we want to raise capital will come with their own community. In this community, will join the the INX uh, community. Oh, so, so all together, learn how to do it. Yeah, and so and and this is part of the services maybe uh, that we offer to issuers as, as they come through the door. So today, when someone wants to raise capital, basically we we can provide we call it a token as a service, a full turnkey solution, including the regulatory umbrella, um, legal guidance, marketing services, including community management transfer agent services, the technology for both the primary and the secondary uh, listing. So everything under uh, under us and the community is, is, as you said, the fourth pillar here. Very, very important uh, to the success of any primary raise and the success of the company. I mean, do you think in the future there'll be more value, the market cap of digital securities, not cryptocurrencies, but like blockchain-based securities, do you think that market cap could ever exceed like the market cap of like all the companies listed on a country stock exchange? Well, but the, but this will be the proof that uh, Shai was right. <laughs> this, the, 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 this is where we're going. We want to see uh, more and more companies choose, uh, uh, choose to raise capital by issuing a digital security rather than to go to a VC an angel or to list on Nasdaq. Yeah, they can do both, by the way. And we're also speaking with uh, uh, some issuers that that are publicly listing companies today, and they want to uh, they want to uh, kind of do a listing on a digital exchange. So they can do both, but they have a lot of advantages um, in in raising capital in a, in a form of a digital security. And this is this is something that we see more and more companies. So, how can how can I mean? What's the next step for my listeners that are listening and they they have a good idea? They have something uh, that should be securitized. Maybe it's their company that's growing, has a lot of cash flow or whatever. What's the next step? Contact us. Contact, uh, go to inx.co. Uh, the new site will be uh, together with the new uh, trading platform. The INX one will go live by the end of the week. We have a special dedicated team in, in the US and Israel to take any issuer through the process uh, and, and make his life much, much easier uh, while raising capital and keep uh, the ownership of his company. Because when you raise capital by issuing a digital security, you have zero dilution in your cup table. You, wow. It's not a debt. You don't have to return the money. And there are a lot of other uh, advantages uh, when you raise uh, when you raise capital this way. And this is, uh, and, and we are not just uh, talking the talk, we actually walk the walk. So we did it for INX in the past. We're now doing it for others and we'll do it for more. It's like you reverse 
you IPO'd yourself, and then now you're helping other companies exactly. do the same thing using the, the 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 test case. And I like the joining of the community and helping it within you know your community too, because a lot of people need their need their hands held. Yes, yes. It took us three years uh, to do it for uh, for our next with the experience uh, that we have today and the contacts and the network and the community. We can uh, we can help others to do it. Uh, different kind of races depends on which route they take with the SEC, but we can do it much much easier and much. Yeah, I mean the beauty of uh, public records is. You know, people could literally go and carbon copy our prospectus and use it as their template if, if they so chose. Um, you know, we we did we did all the hard work and you know put twenty pages of risk disclosures in there and everything else. Um, and in our, our entire back and forth with the SEC is now public record, so people can see all of you know their questions and our responses. Um, so yeah, we're oh my god, doing that this makes makes life a, a lot easier for for other issuers that uh, it'll it'll never take that long again to do an IPO is to cross. You need to publish that as a book. Uh, seriously. Um, it's a great the idea. Book is coming out, uh, Charlie. The oh, okay. I, read, I would read that and my <laughs> listeners would love that. They would buy the crap out of that book because uh, I read a book, sim- like I read a book about, uh, it's called Letters to a Buddhist Jew. It was about a uh, very religious guy uh, who converted to Buddhism. And so he's writing letters to his old rabbi and they were like debating the religions back and forth. But I was like, this is the same type of thing. You and the SEC having conversations. No, seriously, I wasn't joking. We are writing a, a book. We are writing a manual. and call it a book, a, a booklet for issuers. Kind of the Bible of raising capital by issuing uh, with a, a digital security or security token. And we are hoping to uh, release it in the next uh, few weeks. That's amazing. Let me know so I can let our listeners know where to buy it and, and where to check that all out. I appreciate Alan cool. and Andy Ty. Thank you guys for, for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for having us, Charlie. Appreciate it.